people need to be able to think, speak, and act without self-restraint. As an academic scientist, I have had the privilege of working with prescient giants in the field, such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Zev Zelenko, Dr. Joseph Ladapo, and Dr. Harvey Reich. This is America Out Loud Talk Radio. Welcome to my Liberty Hour. I am Dr. Paul Alexander. Welcome to the Dr. Paul Alexander Liberty Hour on the America Outlaw Talk Radio Network show. First, I'll give thanks to Malcolm and his group. And um, there's a lot going on in the world right now. And uh, so many, so much pain and suffering. I'd like to touch on the issue with the Israeli Hamas war and what happened on October the 7th. You know, I'll be dealing with COVID at some level and some politics. Um, just to begin, my name is Dr. Paul Alexander. And you know, I, I had worked with President Trump in the Trump administration as a senior pandemic advisor, the COVID pandemic. And uh, my job was at the HHS, Health and Human Services, supporting the... Um, the Health and Human Services, which CDC, FDA, NIH, etc., they all report to Health and Human Services. I function as a liaison between Health and Human Services and the White House. I worked very close to Dr. Scott Atlas. And we were the two individuals within the system fighting against Fauci and Burke's and the deep state cabal as they tried to topple President Trump. I want you to, to listen to what I'm saying. I want to talk about my trip to Israel. I went to Israel for a brief near one-week trip. I just returned, and uh, and I know Malcolm had interviewed me. But I want to talk about it a little more. I'm beginning to get permission by certain individuals, high-level people, both in Israel and the United States, as to what I can say and, and how to say it. Because, of course, this is a war situation, and it's not that we inserted ourselves into the war. We were there to bear witness. We were there in a sort of a fact-finding role with some high-level meetings. And at a certain point, I imagine there are things that I cannot say, but I'll be as forthcoming as I can be. President Trump is a huge supporter of Israel, and I'm a huge supporter of President Trump. I remain on the Trump train. I think he's the best option for America. And it's what America needs right now, given the situation in the world, with the Ukraine-Russia war, with the Hamas-Israel war, with Taiwan flexing over, um, China flexing over Taiwan, willing to take Taiwan, with the disputes out there in those man-made islands out there in the Pacific, by the uh, Spratly Islands and the Malacan Straits. 
China wants to control those shipping lanes that, that basically will hobble shipping across the world. The point I'm making is that it's something that I want to say and I want to put on the record here about President Trump and his presidency. This is my belief as to what happened in November 2, 2020. We knew what the polls were showing, the internal polls. We knew that President Trump was in some trouble. And I'm a, I like to be very honest and forthcoming, so I'll be very brutally honest with you. I believe President Trump won the election. But you need to listen to how I'm explaining this to you. A combination of factors took place because we knew, based on the internal polling, etc., from about mid of 2020, that a lot of support was lost. And it was because of the pandemic and the lockdowns. In January of 2020, President Trump was unstoppable. There was no Republican who could primary him. There was no Democrat who could defeat him. And we even modeled, even when you looked at Biden then. And we understood the advantage that Biden had over Trump in the sense of the empathy and his ability to connect with the public, which is a very important thing that you should not have discounted. President Trump is a very serious, non-empathetic individual. But the nation needed that empathy because we were in the throes of this pandemic with the lockdown hell, the school closure hell, the suicides, just the madness of the lockdown lunacy, the masks, the business closures, the shielding, the pressure they were placing you with the, with the masks and the coming vaccine. I believe President Trump, based on what I understand, what I know, that he won the election. But you have to understand it this way, in a very complex way. Several factors all at once. He was behind because of the pandemic and the lockdowns. In January of 2020, he was unstoppable. But by around April and May and June, it began to, it began to hobble him because he put the pandemic response in the hands of Fauci and Burks and the, and the, and the clunker lunatic task force. Save Brett Gerard. It's almost as they were committing harikari, falling on their own sword. In other words, creating a devastating pandemic response. Remember, I've argued that this was never a pandemic. This was at best an emergency, if it even rose to the level of that. Because we know the infection fatality rate turned out to be 0.05%, 0.04 means corrected for persons 70 and below. The mortality is 0.1 for seasonal influenza. That means that this pandemic, this fraud, non-pandemic, was half of the force of mortality and in seasonal influenza. We know that seasonal influenza kills children 
was this pandemic spared children? So we knew from a lethality point of view that it was it was much milder. We know that the median age of death from February 2020 and even continues today, now in the month of December 2023, three and a half, four years out. The median age of death is 83, with two to three underlying medical conditions. Why is that important? Well, because the life expectancy is about 78, 79. So what I'm trying to say is that COVID kills beyond life expectancy. If COVID was a pathological, lethal virus, it would have shortened life. But it has not. And that gives you an example of how mild it was from day one. The Diamond Princess cruise ship, the Theodore Roosevelt, aircraft carrier, etc. Especially the Diamond Princess, it showed you that this virus had a very mild force of mortality. About seven to eight persons on a ship, a lockdown ship out in the ocean where everyone had where hot COVID. Initial, initial legacy, Wuhan legacy, COVID was raging. Lockdown. And there were only 78 deaths of 3,700 passengers. Think about what I just said. The virus burnt itself out at about 19 to 20% on a closed ship. 20%. Everyone should have gotten infected, but they did not. We had husbands and wives in cabins where the husband got hot COVID and died. While both of them were locked into the cabin, but the wife didn't even get infected. That showed us that the wife's immune system had seen that pathogen at some point in the past. What I'm trying to tell you is this. The lockdown response, the COVID response by Fauci and Burks and the task force and the media and the deep state was designed. It, they conspired together to, to devastate the response so that the blame would fall on President Trump. And it did. I'm trying to tell you in January of 2020, President Trump was on path to get 400 electoral votes and get about 40 of the states. Yet by about May-June, we saw he was hobbled. But President Trump, when he took to the campaign trail, made up for all of the deficits in, the, in especially the Rust Belt states, Pennsylvania and all of those states. He did. And I believe on election night, November 2, 2020, he won. And I do believe at the same time, they stole votes. And I'm trying to make you understand the, the extent at which he won was not enough. This is my view. To erase the votes that they stole. In other words, had it not been for the lockdown, had it not been for the pandemic response, President Trump would have won by far greater on November the 3rd. And their stolen votes would have not changed the outcome of the election. But because of the lockdowns, because of the harms that people felt, what I'm trying to argue is that his victory was not as great. 
he did win. He would be president. But the stolen votes was more than the extent that he won. I don't know if I'm explaining to you properly. I'm trying to say that had he not locked down, had he not been misled, because he was, had he not been deceived and connived by Fauci and Burks and those malfeasant animals, he would have won by a far greater margin. I mean, all of the shenanigans and stealing of votes, it would have not made a difference. They would have eaten into his, his victory lead, but not to change the outcome of the election. But because of the lockdowns, it ate into his lead, and it was enough with the stolen votes to take the election. And that's my point. Had President Trump not locked down, not listened to these people, he would have won the election outright. That is my belief, and I'm willing to argue about it. What I'm trying to tell you is, we went, I had, I was taken to Israel. I spoke about this with Malcolm. I was taken to Israel for almost a week. And the reality is, is it was a, well, first of all, I want to say thank, thank goodness to President Trump is a friend to Israel and what he did with the embassy, etc., in Jerusalem. I was there and I met very senior people in Israel, many different persons, and they love President Trump. Israel loves President Trump. The truth of the matter is, I told Malcolm before that <clears throat> what I was exposed on, what I saw, what I learned there, some of it I could never speak about. I saw film, I saw evidence, I saw things that were done on October the 7th that defies a human explanation. I never knew that human beings could be so barbarous and so depraved on other people. What they did, what the Hamas terrorists, the jihadists did to women, Israeli women, what they did to little children, especially little girls, was monstrous. You know, when I was going in to watch some film, the people who were showing it, and well, it was the IDF, the Israeli military, one of the officers came to me and he said, you know, Dr. Alexander, I don't think you should watch. And I said, well, why? And he said, you know, it will hurt you and it will destroy part of your soul. And I didn't, I didn't understand what he's trying to say. Because, I mean, I've, I've seen things, I've been places. I mean, I was in Nepal, Kathmandu, in 2002-2003, during the Maoist insurgency. Where the Mao insurgents, Mao insurgents in Nepal, Kathmandu, were bombing Nepal. And I was there as an expatriate epidemiologist, scientist. It was one of the most scariest times in my life. But what I experienced in Israel, it, it harmed me. I have to be honest. It hurt me emotionally and psychologically. It has scarred me. Like I can't unsee things. 
what they did to little girls. I didn't know men could do that. I just, I just didn't know. You know, I walked through the burnt out streets and we, they took us to all the different kibbutz. And I know you know what I'm talking about. Those sorts of communal living on the borders. So we went to the Gaza, the border with Gaza and Lebanon. Of course, we had heavy military presence. We were with the military. A lot of our special forces I can't tell you the makeup of them in terms of country. We went to the kibbutz in Niroz. And the kind of suffering that went on there that I saw. I mean, they took little children out of nurseries, kindergartens. They abused them, they mutilated them, they shot them, they beheaded them, and then they burnt all their bodies. It was... It's hard to describe some of what you saw. And you saw you saw the rooms with all the, the, the little kids, their hats and their shoes that were left there because a lot of things were untouched. We went to Siderut. I think it's spelled S-D-E-R-O-T. They killed about 30 police officers there. It was monstrous. Copix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Copix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. The Out Loud Truth was the rallying call that started it all. AmericaOutloud.news was an idea, a movement, a place where folks would feel comfortable speaking the truth without being censored or canceled. The First Amendment is alive and well. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Welcome back. Welcome back to the second segment of the Dr. Paul Alexander Liberty Hour. You know, my podcast goes to... um My uh, my talk show goes to podcast the following day. 
You can hear it on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, etc. And um, I just wanted to say, please go to my Substack, my blog. It's called Alexander COVID News, and it's free. And I write daily about all of the going-ons globally, including around COVID and um, a lot of political issues. Um, if you want to support me, I could do it any sort of financial help you can give. You can go to, to Zelle, and, and uh, even if it's $1, it helps me. Um, it's uh, The email at Zelle is um, sr7283 at gmail.com. That is sr7283 at gmail.com. So I wanted to tell you about this this trip to Israel. So um, we wanted to show support. I mean, most of the people I was with who, who were not military were high-level people in the U.S. government, Republicans. And the truth of the matter, this was the worst attack on Israel, the attack on Jews since the Holocaust. So it's a very serious issue. And again, I want to go back to this kibbutz. We went to several near us. I think it's spelled N-I-R-O-Z. And uh, this particular kibbutz, they lost a tremendous, about one half of the people were killed. Many, many were kidnapped. People were burnt alive in their homes. And we were standing there, and you can see the burnt-out remains. What, what got to me was the smell of death that was there. We were put in bulletproof vests. I was put in bulletproof because I was told there were threats of snipers around. So needless to say, it was a very disconcerting situation. In a way, we were explained that it was safe, yet it was unsafe. When we went to, um, with heavy military escort, we went to Siderut. I think it's spelled S-D-E-R-O-T, Siderot. I'm not sure how, I, how I'm pronouncing it. But the gunmen, the terrorists, they killed about 30 Jewish police officers. It was a surprise attack on that police station. We also visited the festival grounds where those three, four hundred people were, were, were slaughtered and people were kidnapped, tortured, raped, murdered. Visited Upper Galilee. We were on the border of Gaza, border of Lebanon. A lot of the places we visited were evacuated because of constant rocket attacks from Hezbollah. I have to say a lot of gratitude to the Israeli Defense Force who was with us, especially as we went to Lebanon, the northern border. I think we visited um, many hospitals that were dealing with a lot of the wounded people, especially on the day of the attack. And I'll be honest with you, it was more of a trying to um to bear witness and show support 
I met many great people there, Israeli people, Jewish, some of the people who went with me. I have to give a lot of praise to the security. I also visited the Christian holy sites where Jesus was crucified, where he rose from the dead. All of these different places. We went everywhere. I wanted the listener to understand that sitting down in Tel Aviv and looking at the map of Israel, looking at the West Bank, Gaza, looking at beyond Tel Aviv to Haifa, and all of these different places where the Lebanese border was, Hezbollah, where the Gaza is, where the threats from rockets constantly, you really understood why those little, um, well, they're not little, but why those bomb shelters are dispersed the way they do, they are across Israel. And you know, you explained that you have 15 seconds from the time the siren, when you're sitting there and the siren, you could hear the siren go off. And then you could see people have to scamper, run to safety. You really see and you understand the lives that Israelis live daily, minute by minute, hour by hour. And it's an incredible thing to be part of and to look at and to experience. You realize emotionally and psychologically how scarred and damaged a lot of these children would be. It's a terrible, terrible situation. I wanna be I wanna be open about my belief. Israel was attacked on October the seventh. Israel is responding right now. But I'm a human being. I don't want anybody killed. I'll be honest. I want no innocent child, no innocent human being, no adult, innocent. They're not part of this, to be harmed or killed. Israel in the response must be very careful that they don't harm innocent people. Little children, innocent little children, and I have argued before, I feel the same way for a four-year-old Arab child, Palestinian, as I would do for a four-year-old Israeli child. These kids are innocent. And uh, I get attacked on both sides. I just think it's outrageous. It is terrible what is happening right now. You know, I want to shift to the COVID issue, but there's so many important breaking stories. Um, today I, I, I read about the European Union terror plot was foiled. Hamas had a plot set to unfold a terror attack on Jewish institutions in Europe across Europe. Arrests were made in Germany and Holland. Similar arrests was in Denmark. And you see, 
the argument is that um, really and truly what we are looking at here is really a response by Israel to the attack on October 7th. But Israel is, is, while in a way it's defending itself and responding to the attack on it, Israel is actually fighting to save Christianity. It's fighting to save America too. Israel is doing the work now. Israel was attacked. But if Israel falls to these Hamas terrorists, jihadist Islamists, it will be a very concerning day and time because that will make America very vulnerable. Remember, under the Biden administration, since Biden took office, there have been six to seven million illegals who've crossed the United States border into America. Of those 67 unvetted people who have entered America were allowed in, 1.6 to 1.7 are what we call gotaways. The border services were not able to process them and they got away. They got inside the country and they're somewhere now in America, unvetted. We don't know who they are. Remember of the four and a half million that they did process in some way and released into the country, they found about 170 hardened Islamist militants, terrorists, that they have apprehended. By that model, by that math, within the Godaways, you're looking at about 60 to 70 hardened terrorists who got away as part of that 1.6 million. You only need one bad person committing a bad act and will kill many Americans. Remember Tashfeen Malik, and I believe her husband Farouk. They killed a bunch of people in San Bernardino, remember? Remember Major Hassan Nadal, high-level military person, but he was an Islamist. He was a killer, and he was waiting to strike. Remember Omar Martin, the one who killed the 50 gay men in the Pulse nightclub? You have to remember these people. Within America, out of that southern border, there are many terrorists today, and we don't know where they are. Thank God for the U.S. Second Amendment. We're going to have to put the beast down ourselves. We don't know where these terrorists are. They could be forming terror cells and plotting attacks on America within America. I am seeing to Americans, it is the second, it is the founding fathers of America in their genius in laying out the Constitution. to give us the Second Amendment. 
it is the second amendment of the United States today, the right to bear arms, etc. that is saving America from the jihadists. America, and by consequence, the world would have been overrun by now. It is the Second Amendment of people, the Second Amendment that has kept the country safe and people safe. I believe, like how America crossed the Atlantic during the Second World War to save the world, only asking for a small plot of land here and there. In several of those countries, it liberated and saved. When asked, what do you want? What does America want in repayment from Europe? President of the United States and the leader says, the military leader says, all we seek is not occupation. We just seek a plot of land to bury our dead. And some nations are obliged. And you could travel to those nations yearly to look at the crosses that signifies where they have fallen. Truth of the matter is that America remains the last beacon of hope. Last. If America can't do it, no other country can. They won't even try. America has to put down radical Islam. And it might take somebody doing something wrong to push the American public to act. The American public is backed up by the Second Amendment. The American public is more armed than the police and the military. Armed to their teeth. Four or five hundred million weapons within America. The wolf is at the door. I mean that the wolf has come and looking. The Islamist wants to rape your daughter and will. They will do to her the American female unspeakable horrible things. And we must use the Second Amendment to put them down. I'm telling Americans, make sure that your weapons are legal, they're properly stored, properly managed. Make sure that they're legal. Make sure you go target practice. Many practices. So that you could use your weapon effectively. There are many, many stories that I want to talk about, but I guess the Israeli story is really a problem for me. Because it's very painful. I, uh, I'd like to be interviewed again. I'll talk to Malcolm about another interview that we can talk about uh, the Israeli trip, more of it. Because I, I don't think already the media is beginning to go silent and they've spun it in a way 
that Israel is in the wrong. No, there's so much anti-Semitism and hatred and misunderstanding and lack of knowledge of the true state of affairs in the Middle East. I read about the Middle East. I read about the history as often as I can because still I don't know. There are many things that you don't know and each time you read, you realize, oh, this is something new. The general public have been badly misinformed and lied to. There have a lot of young people protesting and actually committing crimes in the protest. And they're so ill-informed and badly informed. As I tried to say earlier, I don't want no one killed. No innocent person, no innocent child, none on either side, Palestinian or Jew, are Israeli. But the truth of the matter is, I want to be clear on the record, Israel was attacked on October the 7th. And Israel, like every nation, has a right to defend itself. I would agree also that Israel can't be overly heavy-handed and must minimize and eliminate the chance of wrongful death in your response. Look, I want peace personally. I want these parties to find a way. I don't know if it's entirely even possible anymore because of what was done by Hamas. Hamas really committed unspeakable crimes. And I think it really makes you understand why a lot of the global nations and leaders not coming to the defense. Because I think this time they went over the line. And what they did in those kibbutzim to the police station was monstrous. They brutalized young girls. You can't even bury them. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. The buildup of spike proteins is dangerous to your health. Global Healing's foreign protein cleanse detoxes your body, removing the spike proteins, allowing your body to repair from within. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity.
Welcome to the third segment of the Dr. Paul Alexander Liberty Hour in America out loud talk radio station. Um, this, this radio station is probably one of the best globally. And I'm appealing to you all to uh, find ways to not just listen, but to support Malcolm and help him in his venture. Because at the end of the day, he'd given myself, Rish, McCullough, Brigands, these, these people, he'd given us, Malcolm gave us a voice when the legacy media shut us out at the beginning, beginning of COVID. Even before that, Malcolm, Malcolm has been running a top-notch outfit, bringing news and information to Americans to help them make informed decisions. And uh, had it not been for the America Out Loud platform, a lot of people would have been badly informed and made terrible decisions. Lives were saved. Let me put it this way. Lives were saved because of the information McCullough was giving out early on on this show. And even Malcolm, because I used to listen to Malcolm and how he discussed the pandemic and the issues. And not just the pandemic, the issues facing America. So I have to give praise to him. Look, please. Go to my Substack, my daily blog. It's called Alexander COVID News. And uh, while I started off on COVID, <clears throat> I've morphed into political issues and given my opinion. Just my opinion as a simple little person. It's my opinion, like how you can have one. But I look at the issues, the things that I think are in the important stories daily, and I write about them. I share them. I give an opinion. I write. I have it for free. It's Alexander COVID News. No restrictions. Anyone could comment. You can say, once there's no threats of violence, once there's no anti-Semitism, no threats of violence, no racist statements, etc., I I don't interfere with none of the debate. So please join. Uh, there's a $29 annual fee if you want. It helps me financially. If you can, please go to Zell, Z-E-L-L-E, and if you can, even if it's one buck, one dollar, please help me financially. Uh, the email is sr7283 at gmail.com. Also, don't forget the book that I wrote, um, Presidential Takedown. You can get it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Presidential Takedown. It was my time in the Trump administration. And what I saw and how I made the argument that President Trump was toppled from the inside using the COVID fraud, non-pandemic. In other words, what I'm saying is many players decided to use COVID. COVID, I have argued, in 2015 when Mina Cherry and Barak had written that paper in Nature, they wrote about, they took, they created a chimeric virus in the lab in 2015. So therefore, if they published in 2015, I believe it was December, they had to be doing the research in, March, in uh, 2013, 2014, even before that, 2010. They said that they took <clears throat> the backbone of the mouse uh, coronavirus and they stitched it together with the spike of the horseshoe back virus and they created a chimeric virus. Chimera means a combination of different viruses, let's say, to create 
this Frankenstein type of mutant type of virus. It's called a chimera. Anyway, what they said in 2015 was <clears throat> they created something that they were telling us in 2015 that it responded to nothing in the lab. No vaccine that they created stopped it in the lab. They were in the dish still. <clears throat> no, um, no therapeutic. They said <clears throat> it replicated efficiently in human respiratory cells in the lab. They said that it was a pandemic potential if it got out. They wrote this in 2015. I believe <clears throat> today, and many, many serious people, very, very knowledgeable, intellectual people who study, and I have biowarfare, bioterrorism training. I did a stint under Dr. Donald Henderson, who eradicated smallpox at Johns Hopkins. And I, and I became a friend of his too. And we communicated over the years because I even asked DA, his, his nickname is DA. <clears throat> I asked Dr. Henderson, DA, if he would supervise a doctoral thesis at Johns Hopkins <clears throat> in biological warfare. Him being my supervisor, I, I being the doctoral student and he agreed. But I, I was also uh, looking into a doctorate at McMaster in evidence-based medicine, which which is the direction that I took because I got full scholarship funding. Um, I learned a lot from DA from my discussions with him, informal, very extensive, broad and deep. He was a brilliant man. And uh, at that time in 2001, 2002, 2003, America was, uh, <clears throat> they were getting a lot, a lot of chatter about uh, bad actors looking at chemical warfare against the homeland, uh, <clears throat> biological warfare, radiological warfare. So they were looking at different ways to deal with it. And they had set up two Johns Hopkins, <clears throat> this bioterrorism, biowarfare institute, the DA, I think Ingles, Inglesbury, um, Inglesby, Tarot Tool, these, these type of people set it up. And um, look, I'm not getting into the issue of whether it's a Department of Defense <clears throat> involvement, which I do believe in COVID. I do believe it was a battlefield military application. What I do know is this. I have background knowledge in how, <clears throat> in a rudimentary way, how do you weaponize pathogen, how you would take smallpox, Q fever, tularemia, Nipah, uh, viral hemorrhagic fever, anthrax, um, <clears throat> etc., plague, and how you can convert it, what you can do, what you would need to do to, to weaponize it, put it on a ballistic missile and deliver it into a city. So we looked at, <clears throat> back then, we looked at Baltimore, Maryland as it tabletop exercise to see what would be the epidemiological and the public health response issues if a bad actor <clears throat> took a biological agent like smallpox <clears throat> or plague or, an or anthrax, bacillus anthracis, and delivered it into the city. And um, it was very eye-opening to me. It's not just the pathogen itself, but it's the societal response. 
and how the government has to come together and what are the issues involved. Anyway, the point I'm making is this. <clears throat> I believe that what Mina Cherry and they published in 2015, they were working on in 2010, 2011, had to. I am a researcher. I don't just sit down and publish research. The research had to be going on at least three years before where I got all the information, analyze the data, then write. So let's say they were experimenting on this horseshoe coronaviruses in the back caves in China. They were fooling around. They were cooking up. They were ginning it up. Maybe, maybe there was a military application. Maybe <clears throat> silently they were, they were building military applications. To the battlefield. <clears throat> Remember also, President Nixon in 1969 signed that moratorium where he outlawed um, biological weapons research, biological uh, United States engaging in research in biological agents. <clears throat> There's good evidence on talk that other agencies within America, within the government, subverted Nixon's order and continued research in the area. Whether that was good or that was bad for America's benefit, uh, we'll come to learn, we'll come to know historically. But <clears throat> it seems that this was a military application. The bottom line is that I think what Minacherry and they did got loose. I think whatever they created was not nefarious. <clears throat> it was not deadly, thank God but it was highly infectious. <clears throat> and I believe it got loose. And it was circulating throughout the world. I believe then the whole entire world was immune, had some level of immunity to this COVID virus that they created. They said they did. They literally told us they created this similar in 2015. I believe it got loose and it was circulating and we all had exposure and we all. But what I believe is that <clears throat> the symptoms of coronavirus, this COVID, not for those who were severely ill from it, but from normal population. Remember, we had no symptoms. 80 to 90% of people with COVID show no symptoms, did and still do not. And, and most of them, the rest show very light symptoms, a little cough, maybe a little fever for a few hours, et cetera. It is the <clears throat> very elderly and the very immunocompromised, the high-risk persons who get very ill, severely ill, and they can die. They could develop uh, pneumonia secondary to the viral infection, bacterial pneumonia. They could develop sepsis, and the organs shut down and they die. <clears throat> and this is what happened. Combined with the medical management of people, with the, with the, we, we took sick people and already vulnerable people in the system and we isolated them, we deprived them of food, water, um, we sedated them with midazolam, we pumped them with liver, liver kidney toxic remdesivir, we put them, we intubated them, we put them on a ventilator that blew up their lungs, blew big holes in them. We put do not resuscitate orders. <clears throat> we denied them antibiotics when likely they had bacterial pneumonia. We did all these bad things to them. We gave them a vaccine that killed many. But I believe what happened was 
<clears throat> this uh, chimera that they produced was circulating the world from 2015, even before. And we were all immune. And the Diamond Princess showed us this. I believe it was very infectious. And everybody was getting it. But I believe that, like for common colds or influenza, etc., those symptoms that you get, that that they created caused those symptoms. And because we were not looking for this, there was no case definition. No hospitals were alerted. I believe Fauci and all of them knew that this thing that they created in the lab with, da with Barak, Dazak, etc., was circulating. <clears throat> but it was captured as common cold. So if an elderly person, 85, died, could be from this, it was like a common cold or influenza-like illness. There was no case, case definition, so you weren't looking for it. So I believe that is how it operated for years. And I think bad actors, this is where you have to put some wings to your thoughts. and Because you have to think of how this happened. There are a lot of people quarterbacking it and armchair warriors. I am just one of them, trying to piece together the puzzle. I believe what happened was, <clears throat> if you go back to those FBI um, those two idiots who said that there's an insurance policy when Trump was running and he got reelected, he got elected. I believe that is what they, I think many people in the United States government in the background knew, knew of this, knew that there was this virus that got loose and it was not toxic. It was just infectious. I believe dark players decided to use this already circulating pathogen there was like a common cold, and they were going to use it to create a fraud pandemic. I think what they did was then they decided to use the PCR test <clears throat> because Mullis said that the PCR was not a diagnostic test. It was a process to amplify DNA. So I believe what they did is <clears throat> they knew that from around 24, 25 cycles were amplifications the test would not be detecting culturable, infectious, pathological pathogen, which is the key. You want to know if you test positive, well, what does that positive test mean? Does that mean that I have high viral load so I can be transmitting? Does that mean that I, I could die or what I transmit could kill people? We knew that at 24 cycles and below, you were infectious and you were pathological. We were cycling at 40 and 45, where we knew over 30 cycles, you were detecting viral dust, viral fragments, not coronavirus, all common cold coronaviruses, etc. You were detecting non-infectious. Once you cycled over 30, it was non-infectious, non-lethal. We shut society down with a PCR process. We took people out of their workplace for weeks, months, years using a fraud, flawed PCR process. In other words, I'm saying two things. Had we done nothing, nothing, had we just let this thing go through the society as it was doing, it would have probably taken the odd elderly person who was already immunocompromised, immune senescence, like a common cold. Granny dies every night in the in nursing home, and the hearse comes, the black vehicle comes and takes her away. It's part of life. She was elderly, underlying conditions. Had we done nothing, 
<clears throat> we have lost far fewer. We killed people with the response. It is the pandemic response, the medical management of them. I'm trying to tell you this. And I say, if, if I were on a train and you say, fall, we have 10 seconds. The stop is pulling up. Tell us what you think at a 50,000 level. I would say it this way. This was a PCR manufactured pandemic. An over-cycled, over-amplified, fraud PCR process manufactured pandemic. This was never a pandemic. The PCR test was <clears throat> over-cycled at 97% false positives. In other words, of every 100 people, who, people, who we said were positive for COVID at the border, in the hospital, anywhere, 97 of them were not positive. COVID was a lie the entirety and they brought the vaccine that was, that, 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 that was the tip of their spear. It killed us.